Hello, and welcome to Device Week, the podcast of MedTech Insight. I'm Deputy Editor Reed Miller. With me today is Managing Editor Marion Webb. So, Marion, this week you've been covering the annual North American Spine Society Conference, also known as NAS, which, like many ex- conferences this year, has been going on virtually. So what can you tell us about this conference? Yes, Reed. So NAS kicked off on Tuesday with an address by Dr. Eric Drooms, who is the first vice president for the North American Spine Society and the society's president, Dr. William Sullivan. In his introductory note, Dr. Sullivan spoke about the importance of diversity, and he pointed to literature that shows the benefits of diversity in boardroom meetings and hospital groups. And he also called on spine surgeons and everyone else to be aware of unconscious bias that we all carry and the importance of finding ways to fight bias by engaging with others that are different from us. He noted that NAS created a diversity and inclusion task force during his presidential year that addresses these issues, um, equity, inclusion, and bias and diversity. Um, Dr. Trooms talked about the effects of COVID on the organization and how to address some of the challenges that are brought with it. And he talked about um, how the organization is dealing with some of these challenges, such as by making investments in technologies for online learning. He also spoke about how he's looking forward to a return to physical meetings, which he said just can't be replicated online. I think many of many of us feel that way. He said at the end of the day, it's about relationships and community and sharing experiences. He also talked about how hands-on learning just can't be replicated online. Well, that speaks to how many people are feeling right now. People are getting Zoom fatigue. Medtronic announced a few things, including the launch of a new implant. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, so Medtronic kicked off this year's NANS meeting with the announcement that the first patient has been implanted with its next-generation interstim macrosacral neuromodulation device for treating overactive bladder. Uh, the device has already been approved by the U.S. FDA in July, and the company is now conducting a post-market study to evaluate the safety and performance and long-term outcomes of the device in the elite study. And that study will enroll 160 patients across 40 sites in the US, Europe, Australia, and Canada. Netronic's next generation device is competing against Exonic's RSNM device. And one analyst noted some of the differences between these two devices, which I talk about more in detail in the story. Medtronic also announced the launch of the first 3D-printed titanium implant and also this week said that its former longtime CEO, Omar Ishraq, will retire as executive chairman and chairman of the board of directors effective this December, which got a lot of attention. And this week you're working on a story on innovations in robots, navigation, and augmented reality that you heard there. What can you tell us about those sessions? Yes, so the session actually took place Thursday and it featured some really interesting speakers. Dr. Srinivas Prasad from Thomas Jefferson University talked about how robotics fits into spine surgery and listed some of the pros and cons in using robotics. Dr. Eric Nottmeyer from the Mayo Clinic in Florida talked about advances in 3D printing and his excitement about using 3D printing for education and training. And Dr. Shetan Patel talked about his own experiences in using augmented reality in the operating room, 
he also outlined some of the pros and cons and some of the uh, technologies that exist in the space today and what he'd like to see in the future. Now over to you, Reed. This week, you're covering the virtual MedTech conference sponsored by Advomed. Of course, there were a lot of sessions about how the industry is handling the COVID-19 crisis and what the business will look like once the pandemic hopefully subsides. What did you hear from the leaders who are participating in the meeting? That's right. So one of the sessions I listened to was a panel about how the pandemic has impacted surgery specifically and the companies that sell devices for surgery. So that include Nacho Abia, the COO of Olympus, Tom Poland, the CEO of Becton Dickinson, Kevin Lobo, the CEO of Stryker, and Bill Hawkins, who used to be the CEO of Medtronic, and now he's on the board of Duke University and is very involved in the leadership of their enormous medical center. So as we've covered extensively in the past, there was a huge drop-off in surgeries in March and April, as hospitals cleared their decks, so to speak, to be ready for COVID-19 patients. At the same time, a lot of patients were just afraid to go to the hospitals because they were so afraid of the infection that they might get there. So the leaders on this panel said that most, but importantly, not all of the surgical volume has returned. The leaders on the panel said that most, but importantly, not all of the volume of surgery has returned to pre-pandemic levels. In some places, surgical volume is actually ahead of where it was last year. There's not only been a return of the normal volume of patients, but a lot of pent-up demand from all those postponed surgeries from the spring. In other places, especially outside the U.S., hospitals still haven't been able to return to normal surgical volumes. Yeah, so there's obviously a lot of talk about this new normal that will come someday when the pandemic is over. Um, what do they think that new normal will look like? Yeah, so they talked a lot about that and they agreed on a couple of points. So one was that telemedicine is here to stay even after patients are able to more freely go back to their doctor's offices. Now you especially have written a lot about that, especially from the perspective of companies that make the telemedicine systems. One thing that Kevin Lobo, the CEO of Stryker pointed out is that surgeons were actually initially very skeptical about the value of telemedicine to what they do. They just didn't think that talking to the patient over the internet would work nearly as well for pre-surgical meetings or post-surgical follow-up. But in fact, the surgeons are actually pretty impressed with how well it's working and they are willing to use it, at least for some of the meetings that they need to have with patients and their families before and after surgery. So the companies that make these devices are trying to see how they can become part of that and take advantage of that. And a good example actually is Biomet Zimmer, which has the My Mobility app. Now, that's actually something they introduced a couple of years ago before the pandemic. The My Mobility app helps doctors stay in touch with patients after the surgery, usually a knee surgery or hip surgery. And I expect we'll see a lot more of that kind of thing from all the other device companies. They want to collect that data and they want to be able to use that not only to take care of the patients, but also to improve other surgeries and continue to kind of reiterate the, the whole procedure, especially with digital surgery becoming such a big deal. Now, the other big theme that these CEOs agreed upon was that hospitals are just never going to be, be the center of the healthcare universe in the future like they have in the past. You know, as we've written before, CMS and the other big third-party payers have seen that moving more procedures, particularly surgical procedures, to outpatient centers or the so-called ambulatory surgical centers is more cost-effective than doing it all in a big hospital. And so there's been a lot of growth in that part of the healthcare provider industry in recent years. The COVID-19 situation has only just accelerated that. As Kevin Lobo said, prior to COVID-19, patients were actually a little skeptical of doing surgery outside of a big hospital. They just didn't feel that it was as safe as being in a hospital and they wanted to be in the hospital after their surgery overnight. And COVID-19 has completely turned that around. They don't feel nearly as safe in the hospital as they did before. And now they like the idea that they're 
going to be able to do a procedure quickly and get out of whatever facility they're in and be at home away from the virus. So the more and more patients who have a good experience having their surgery at one of these centers, the more willing other patients are going to be willing to do it. And that will just accelerate the trend. Duke is planning all their future capital expenditures around facilities that aren't part of the main hospital there in Durham, North Carolina. They're fully accepting that this is the future and that it's going to be more about these smaller centers that aren't part of the main hospital. And Kevin Lobo, again, the CEO of Stryker, pointed out that the shift has forced companies to completely rethink how they sell these devices. They used to be able to send a big army of sales reps over and over to the same surgical centers. You think he said like, you know, some surgical centers, they'd have 20 reps who are servicing just one center. But now those reps have to go to a lot of different places and see a lot of different people. They There just isn't anybody at a ambulatory surgical center that can deal with 20 reps from Stryker. So they have to do a completely different strategy around selling their devices. And they're fully aware of that and they're willing to make that change. That's a very important trend in the industry that we'll hear a lot more about in the future. We have more coverage of the NASS meeting and the MedTech conference, including what FDA's Jeff Shuren had to say at the meeting about FDA's regulation of digital technology. Of course, there's a lot of coverage of COVID-19 and how governments around the world are trying to manage that. For example, we just posted a story about how COVID-19 is making it very, very hard for hospitals in Turkey to pay all their bills for MedTech and pharmaceuticals. We also have a new story about the EU's plans to go ahead with its new MDR and IVDR regulations, regardless of the crisis. You can follow us on Twitter at MedTech underscore Insight. I'm at MedTech Read, and Marion is at MedTech Marion, M-A-R-I-O-N. Thanks, and have a good week. 